This is the Kratom Science Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Gallagher, blog and social media writer for KratomScience.com, your source for all things Kratom. Angie Childs says the road to her addiction started with an abusive childhood. She was first prescribed Demerol as a teenager for PTSD-related migraines. After several years of opiate addiction and two near-death experiences, Angie found the strength to get sober. She has found Kratom to be a powerful tool, both to stay off opiates and to deal with PTSD and chronic pain. She now holds down a job and has recently reunited with her daughter after two decades. This is Angie Childs, and this is her Kratom story. And so, where are you from originally? Originally, I uh, was born in Florida, and uh, in Fort Myers, Florida. I was raised part of my life up in Seattle. Okay. So, I'm kind of all over. (laughs) But Florida girl by nature. You described, like, you went through some pretty horrible childhood trauma. you want to talk about that at all? Uh, Sure, yeah. It, um, It started when I was real young. You know, and by the time I was 15, it had happened so much. You know, I just kind of, I ran away, took off and got married when I was young. I was 16. Oh, wow. Um, but when I was growing up, you know, it, especially if you're a female in my family, it was a pretty traumatizing experience, needless to say. And, um, you know, that led to a lot of physical issues, migraines and so forth. In the, uh, at a young age. You got Demerol for migraines, is that? Yeah, they used to shoot me right in the butt with 100, 100 milligrams of, of Demerol instead of anything else. That's That was their go-to. So, you know, it, it got into my system early, and we have, you know, family history of addiction and so forth. I firmly believe that trauma is the gateway to addiction. You know, there isn't a particular drug you know, like weed definitely isn't a gateway drug, you know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was a pretty, pretty rough childhood growing up. But I I ran, you know, running our way and getting married at 16, having a child early. Um, I was just numbing myself and I didn't raise my girls because of I was the fact I was running and I knew I was headed down a, a, a spiral of addiction. I knew I was already bad. But, you know, this was everything the doctors were prescribing me. And it, it was the only thing I felt like I could do. That was my go-to. And they were more than happy to give it to me. Yeah, dealing with suppressed memories, you know, they were, they were, they were just really quick to, to prescribe any and everything, uh, especially back then. This was before uh, opiates got, a real, got real bad, like in the pill mill days in Florida. And, yeah. You know, that was insane. Just the things that they got away with at this point. I think this is the age I was about in my 20s, early 20s, mid 20s. Um, I had severe arthritis in my leg. I had flown off a stage and couldn't walk for a long time. And that got me into pain management. And that was my downfall right there. That was the slippery slope that, you know, just took me out. They had switched me from regular Percocet over to um, OxyContin, and it was it was a wrap after that. Um, the pill mill days in Florida, 
where all doctors were connected, all pharmacies were connected, you know, people were flying from other states to doctor shop. You know, we would drive over from Fort Myers to Fort Lauderdale or um, Palm Beach and have several people in the car all going to get pills. You know, this didn't all happen overnight. It was, it was very progressive, but, you know, slowly progressive. But at one point, we, I had a doctor's appointment with four different doctors in one day. They all were over over prescribing, so they were giving me methadone, Xanax, Oxycontin, 1530s, 15 milligrams, 30 milligrams, like all kinds of medication. And over prescribing at the single doctor, let alone, you know, multiple doctors. And I ended up becoming an IV user with the pills uh, in jail, overdose. Um, It was a nightmare. The whole thing was just a nightmare. You know, when you have to deal with chronic pain and it seems like your only choice is opiates, it takes your soul away from you. You know, that's the only way I can describe it. You become somebody else entirely. Who I am now and, you know, how I'm trying to change my life, it's, it's been a fight. But, you know, I, like I said, I wasn't around my girls when they were growing up. I stayed away from them on purpose because I didn't. It was the only way I knew how to like break a cycle. You know, I didn't want them to see certain things that I had seen growing up and I didn't want to, I didn't want to traumatize them the way I'd been traumatized, I guess. And, yeah. and it may not have been the right way, but both my girls were in, in you know, with their dads and in great homes and, and that, you know, the things that happened to me didn't happen to them. You know, um, I'm back in contact with them now. Um, and being going through withdrawals in jail, I had gotten clean once or twice, but nothing was helping. Like I didn't want to be stuck on Suboxone and methadone, you know, that it just made me more of a zombie, you know, but yeah, it's been a crazy ride with opiates. It's, uh, it's a nightmare. Gabor Mate. I don't know if you ever heard of him, but uh, so. he worked with hundreds of opiate addicts and, and, because you were talking about how it, you were almost destined to be an addict, and he said the, yeah. he said 100% of the women he worked with were sexually abused as children, and 100% of the men were at least physically or emotionally abused. What in yeah. your experience? Why do you think is it? You talked about like running away, and you're always trying trying to escape. Is it just like just the fear of other people that that's ingrained in you that you're running away from? I uh, you know I'm. Still, since I've been clean a few years, I'm still working on like all of these issues. And but, you know, yeah, I think it was because the people closest to me, I mean, these were family members and friends of the family and so forth that, you know, people that I trusted or that were supposed to be trusted. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I definitely think that had a lot to do with it. Not not trusting anybody and, and afraid of someone even just leaving before anything bad happened, waiting for the other shoe to fall, stuff like that. Taking off and running away for days at a time, you know, and going and partying with my friends and, you know, not going to school, fighting in school if I did go to school, stuff like that. It was pretty crazy. Drug addiction led you to a bunch of other horrors, including you said uh, you actually died and had out-of-body experiences oh yeah um it, were that was that f- directly from overdoses 
Yeah, that okay. that particular one, I was, um, from what I remember, we were staying at a family member's house. Um, and I had taken, I don't know, some Moxie's uh, 80 milligram time release, but I didn't know what time release was back then. This was when they first came out. Mm-hmm. So I took them, you know, it was a completely accidental overdose. Um, but I remember going to bed. And I just took a few of them because I'm like, well, damn, this isn't really helping. It's not doing anything. Um, I ended up going to bed. And the next thing I remember is I'm looking down at my body on a ventilator and I'm like, huh, you know, this, this doesn't feel right. And I remember laying down on my body and my chest because it would only let me breathe like. And I was like, what the hell? And I remember trying to take deep breaths. I remember the feeling of it coming out of my chest. And then when I came to, the doctors were like, where were you trying to kill yourself? I'm like, no, I was just trying to get high, honestly. <laughs> you know, I, yeah. I that was like the one of the first times I overdosed. Um, I'm sure it happened many times where I was damn close to dying. Um, but then the last time was uh, almost three years ago. Okay. And yeah, it was pretty crazy. Same kind of thing happened? Um, I had no recollection of that this time. And it was, um, I mean, anything during it. But um, yeah, it took two things in Narcan to get me back. Wow. And it was pretty intense. That was the starting of the end for me when, it, as far as that goes. Um, yeah. I... You know, I hadn't seen my da- my daughters in over 20 years. You know, my life had just been one <sighs> one bad experience after another. And, you know, some of which were my fault because I put myself in those positions. Um, but a lot of it, I was chasing drugs. It was high, like I said, you may, it makes you somebody you're not. You know, you steal from family members, you from friends, you hurt people you love, you don't care, you know, that... And it's not like you want to be that person. Yeah. You know, um, it's it's a hard thing to explain, I guess. For is people who don't know addiction, I guess, also don't can't comprehend it because it it's much deeper than just a choice. Like, hey, I choose to fucking get high today. Excuse my French. <laughs> yeah. um, but you know, it's like today I'm I'm just gonna go out there and you know overdose. It, you don't wake up one day. It's a gradual thing, and it. It's much deeper than than a choice. Is a lot of the stealing and stuff. It's because you you either have to steal something or get violently ill if you don't get if you don't get some exactly. Yeah. It's a ter- it's terrifying. Yeah, um, it's a terrifying feeling when you know you're going to be sick, and because you get so desperate, that drug takes a hold of you, and you will do anything to get it. You know, when people talk about kratom. And how it's, you know, they try to make it a bad thing. And I I just, I don't understand it. Because never once have I ever thought of stealing from anyone I care about to get some Kratom. I've lived a better life than I've ever lived on all the pharmaceuticals they had me on. When and how did you discover Kratom? I had gotten really sick with a blood infection when I first heard about it. I was using dirty needles, IV and I was very close to death. Um, doctors told me if I had waited a couple more days, it would have hit my heart and, and I would have not, I would not be here. And I had a friend of mine 
who cared enough to reach out to me and take me up to a hospital. And um, at one point I had heard from a friend of mine, well, she had, she was a very close friend, almost like a sister. And she said, well, I know about Kratom. And so she gave me some, I didn't know enough about it back then to know how to take it. So it didn't take a hold of me right then because I wasn't educated on it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and I don't think I was exactly ready at that point either to quit. Um, That's where it does become a choice because you have to choose to not want to get high anymore and not, and choose that, you know, it's never going to lead into anywhere good, you know? Yeah. I wasn't someone who could hold a job and use at the same time, you know? Um, When I left Florida almost three years ago and I came to Arizona, um, I was a coworker and, you know, I was just hurting my, you know, I had degenerative disc disease in my back and that was hurting and my hip was hurting and arthritis and, you know, I was having anxiety and all this stuff. And, he started talking to me about it and I was like, Hey, well, let me try. And it was almost instant that I felt uh, mood really focused. And I'm, I'm not a person who can multitask easy or has that kind of focus. My brain's always been kind of wandering. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I was amazed at the change, my mood. I was happy. Um, the pain was all, if not, like it was almost gone, if not all the way gone. So I started diving into it more and it's been almost September. It'll be three years that I've been taking Kratom. Been an amazing three years, I'm telling you. <laughs> yeah. The process of how you got off opiates, were you already clean before you started using Kratom or did you taper off and use Kratom at the same time? I had tapered off but it had only been like a couple weeks um, in between that and discovering um, and starting to take the Kratom. So mm-hmm. I was still feeling it, you know, I was still the, um, it was still getting out of my system mentally and physically. So I, and I, I do remember having to take it when I was um, full on withdrawal. It helps. When it comes, I do remember feeling about 50% of relief from when I was withdrawing. Like, oh, it was amazing. I can't, like, it helped me so much. And it's, there's so many people that I've, that have come to me and been like, hey, I really want to get off of opiates. Like, I feel like a prisoner, you know, and they'll come to me and, you know, some way I'll try to help them at least sample it to see if it helps them the way it helped me so far. So many people are like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe like how amazing this thing is. It also get them off the Suboxone and methadone. Like Mm -hmm. I tried that route too. And it's just as miserable. So have you, (laughs) have you ever had a doctor that you could talk to about Kratom? I haven't yet. I, anybody that I've brought it up to look at me blankly, or if they do know anything about it, it's just, the propaganda stories that they've heard, like, yeah, you know, the death with the guy that had a shotgun wound in, yeah. in his chest. <laughs> yeah. Like that had nothing to do with his death at all. It had to have been creative related. You yeah. know, <laughs> it's really. just insane. That was the craziest one. 
Um, so when you were, when you were starting out, did you have to take a lot of kratom when you're still um, withdrawn off the opiates? You know, because of the um, the irritability and the not sleeping, and um, it took the edge off. You you know because when you're going through withdrawals, your brain is spinning, your body aches, um, you're sick, coming out of both ends. Usually, <laughs> it's it's a miserable existence. And, you know, like if they were to actually have a, a week long or a couple week long treatment center where people could do it with Kratom, I think they'd have a major success rate. Jen, this Place. other um, Jen Van Blanc, who I interviewed for this podcast, got out of like she tapered down with Suboxone. And uh, but she said, I took a whole lot of Kratom for I took a. Uh, this much for two weeks and I took after a month I took this much which was less right. after three months I took even less now I take a couple teaspoons a day is, is right that- yeah I continued um, because I have all the pain issues and, and mm-hmm. physical sh- issues that I have yeah. I take mine about four times a day um, mm-hmm. like I would uh, regularly uh, with the prescription medications because yeah. I mean like I'm not going to be a any good use to anybody in pain. <laughs> yeah. Especially yeah. myself. So do you get, do you get any, any side effects with Kratom? It's about the level of when I was addicted to caffeine. Like if I don't have it, I might get a little irritable, but that also comes from being in pain. Yeah. Um, you know, like a little runny nose or something. It, it, I don't have any problems as far as I had my gallbladder out. So the constipation issue with it, you know, is, isn't, it actually helps me, um, helps regulate me. So um, gross to talk about, but it's true. It's one of the side effects of Kratom is constipation. And if people, especially if they don't drink a lot of water, they're really going to have issues with it. Yeah. Um, but that's it. Like if I, you know, if I miss a couple doses, I'm still okay. It's just uncomfortable or in pain. I definitely, if, I, if I'm running out, I am not going to be scrounging for money you know, robbing people and doing what I did. So opiate withdrawals are nothing like Korean withdrawals. Oh my God. No. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) Anybody who, when I see people compare it, it's like, come on, you've obviously never been through full opiate withdrawal then or something because that, yeah, no. (laughs) It's actually fun for me asking that question now because I know what the answer is going to be just to see what the reaction is. Because I've interviewed so many people who are addicted to heroin and opiates now that they're just like, what? It's Well, I mean, it's much like the propaganda that they use for marijuana for all that time. You know, mm-hmm. like uh, the only difference is like you you get a little bit of a euphoric feeling sometimes depending on what strain you get of Kratom, but you don't get high. You mm-hmm. know, you're not twacked out and cleaning the cobwebs from underneath your patio or anything at three in the morning yeah. like you would with anything else. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I used to have a repetitious cycle, man. I mean, I, if I didn't have it every six hours, at least four to six hours, yeah. as far as the opiates, you had to have a plan. If you didn't have money, you had to find a way to get money. Who were you going to steal from or rob? Um, yeah. And then where were you going to get it from if you couldn't find any? Or if you did find any, are they going to rob you? Um is shit going to go down when you're in the middle of the transaction? And then, then four to six hours later, you've got to start that whole cycle all over again it's no way to live a drug that makes you do that like it takes control whether i was 
set up for addiction or not. Like I've known people who are very capable people that have always had a full-time job, you know, um, but it takes them down. It's really is a medical issue. I mean, Mm-hmm. And that's that's kind of like treating it like a criminal justice issue. Although some people said uh, I got clean in jail, that's the only thing that helped me. But it's I mean, it, but it's really should be treated, I think, as a public as a health issue, which I think they're starting to do now. Oh yeah, well, I mean, you know, this pandemic going on. What about <laughs> the epidemic of opioids? I mean, I've yeah. lost more friends, uh, countless. I can't even count on my fingers and toes how many people I've lost in just the last five years. Yeah. And people, you know, who can't any longer afford the street value of a pill are going to go to something cheaper, which is heroin. And I, that's actually the second time the last uh, was spiked with carfentanil, which isn't regular fentanyl. It's an elephant tranquilizer. So just like like something the size of a grain of salt, not the grain of rice, like, you know, regular fentanyl, but the grain of salt will kill you. And People are cutting the pills with it and fake pills with the carfentanil in it, the heroin. People graduate. It is such a easy slide from Oxycontin to heroin because that's all it is. Yeah. It's the same damn thing. And people don't realize it because it's prescribed by a doctor. So it's okay. And you wonder why the hell they make that shit like fentanyl and like Desuvia is the one that's like 100 times stronger than fentanyl that the FDA just approved. And they're trying oh to they're trying to ban kratom. It's crazy. Like, like, get the hell out of here with that. Yeah. The only reason they want to ban it is because they're losing money. The more people that think, oh, with kratom, oh, let me try this, and they're afraid of all the billions of dollars they're probably losing. Because I know they lost my business because I gave them a lot of business for a lot of years. <laughs> <laughs> I'm back in my daughter's life, uh, my youngest yeah. daughter right now. Um, She's 24, and so we're getting to know each other, and it's, I never thought that I would be here. I never thought that I would have a chance to wrap my arms around my daughter. Yeah. That's Sorry. <laughs> that was after, like, 20-something years? 20, over 21 yeah. years almost. Yeah, and you just... Yeah, it's, it's really amazing. I never thought in the pits of hell that I would be where I'm at right now, you know? So do you get involved in like political activism stuff? Yeah, I'm an activist. Yeah. I mean, for Kratom among other things, but it's, well, like they always say, be the change you want to see. Educating people, you know, talking to them, explaining, telling my experience. Um, People will come to me like, hey, Angela, you know, I know you used to be hooked and blah, blah, blah. And what's all this about, you know? So they may do it for different reasons. People take Kratom for different reasons, you know, either medically or, you know, they're trying to get off of, they give you to replace the opiates. It's, it's pretty, it's been a pretty amazing experience the past three years. And what, and do you just take it uh, by toss and wash? I like to use coffee or chocolate milk um, just because both of those, and I think it's probably because it's related to the coffee plant like so closely um, that I, it takes the bitterness out of it. Um, so I'll get up in the morning, uh, drink a little bit of water, make my coffee. I pour a little bit of it into a container. Um, I usually use a, a medical marijuana container because that's the easiest to shake it up in. 
And I add, you know, my dose to that, shake it up and take it like a shot and go about my day and get things accomplished. And I'll dose myself depending on if I need energy that day and I have not a lot of pain, I'll um, take like a green and mix it with a little bit of um, red if I have a little bit of pain. Um, As far as like nighttime when I'm going to bed, um, I'll mix like a red and brown strain um, for a nighttime dose. Yeah. But I probably probably take like, depending on how bad the pain is, you know, um, is depending on what strain I take and what dose. It's turned my whole life around. And you, I don't know if we talked about this either, but you had a a car accident. Is that what led to a lot of your chronic pain? Um, The car accident was actually like later. I first, I was, um, I used to dance uh, and we were practicing for a show and I flew off the stage and jackknifed and fell like 15 feet down the concrete bounce and was laid out flat, couldn't walk for a while. Um, and then that led to pain management. And then as soon as I got out of that whole dark, dark tunnel, you know, I had cleaned up, gone back to school and then I got into the car accident and that's when, um, it really just continued to get bad. But I, at that point I was, I was already an IV user. Um, yeah. But I had cleaned my act up, you know, and then I figured, you know, when I got in the car accident, I could just, you know, take a couple of Percocets. Won't be a problem. I'll be all right. <laughs> yeah. That's not what happened. <laughs> no. And not for any addict is it ever, like, for the most part, you either, you have to stay away from that stuff. <clears throat> you said, you know, the Kratom helps with uh, PTSD as well. That's another thing I was going to say is, like, I just was just reading a journal article today about how it might be potentially be able to replace antipsychotic medication and antidepressant medication as well as well as the It did for me. Yeah. It did for me. I've had I've had repressed memory. I've had um complex PTSD and that affects your everyday life like how you react to people. It's just how you see things, how you view things is so different when you have PTSD. It's, mm-hmm. You don't know when a trigger is going to come. Um, and if you do, you don't know what's going to happen when you have it, you know, and when it does trigger you, you have no control over it. And they wanted to have me on all kinds of medication. They had me on Paxil at one point in time. And yeah. getting off that felt like someone was taking a taser to my nervous system. It was a nightmare. It was such a nightmare uh, when I was on Paxil that... The local pharmacist, and, you know, I'm not going to mention where he worked or anything, but he knew I was on it, and I told him I was trying to taper off, and he told me, like, if if you are having zaps, what we call them, just come through the drive-thru and I'll give you one. And that totally, he totally could have lost his license for that. Yeah. Um, and it was just that, that the stuff that they give you, the antipsychotics, is not necessary. I mean, some people might need certain medications. I'm not at all dogging that in any way. Um, some people do need certain medications, but for me, it helps if I have, uh, 
a PTSD nightmare at night. Um, it helps if I do have a trigger, I'm able to, instead of instantly reacting, I'm able to be like, okay, okay, you know, talk myself through it or sometimes I can have a bad day still, you know, it's not gone completely. Yeah. Um, but it helps me live a normal life without all the side effects from, because they give you medications and then they give you medications for the side effects of those medications and so on and so on. And it's a ridiculous, vicious cycle that they make money off of. Yeah, and that's why they're going so hard at a plant again. <laughs> yeah, right? This is like, this is oh, like yeah, Reefer Madness, the sequel with the Kratom. It really is. It really is. I, I was, I, I just can't, like I watch Reefer Madness and I'm sitting here going like, really, are they really, people really believe this? And yeah. it's the same with a lot of the BS stories that are going around about Kratom, you know. Yeah. Usually if someone is overdosed, I know me personally, if I take just a little too much, if I don't measure it properly, my body immediately throws it up. Yeah. It, there, there's no chance. And then I heard something about uh, in Ohio where they said they were smoking it or shooting it or snorting it and shooting it up or something <laughs> ridiculous yeah. like that. I was like, are you freaking kidding me right now? Yeah. You've already reunited with a daughter mm-hmm. and you'll be able to see another daughter. Is that true? Yep, we're, you know, we're working on it. It's a, it's a slow process, but I knew if they saw that I was, you know, holding a steady job, you know, I was buying Christmas presents and birthday presents, which that never mattered to me before. And as sad as, as, sad as it makes me to, to say it, it, priority was getting high Yeah. back then, you know, and... It just had that much control over me. And, um, yeah, now I'm, I just saw my, my daughter the other day and, and she had just got over COVID. Thank you. <laughs> I'm so glad she's doing good. Oh, she had? Um, yeah, she, uh. she was exposed by a coworker cause she's still working, yeah. um, through it at the restaurant. So, um, but she's, she's doing great now. She was clear to go back to work. She like, I'm so lucky. I almost wasn't here so many times to enjoy this experience, you know? Yeah. And I, I hate that I miss so much, but at least I'm here now. And I think if more people know about this and are educated about what opiates do to them and they can, they have a safe herbal alternative that they can change their lives around and don't have to, you know, people that are going through chronic pain, like if they go, into like a recovery program they're still going to be in chronic pain how does that really help them yeah. you know and i think having this alternative is, can save so many lives thank you angie childs that was definitely another awesome story not only about kratom but about survival the music is by risey the song is called memories of thailand The Kratom Science Podcast is written and produced by me, Brian Gallagher, for KratomScience.com. Take care.